Hey there, welcome to LSAT Demon Daily. I'm Eric Johansson, teacher and tutor at LSAT Demon. With me is Nathan Fox, one of the founders of LSAT Demon and the weekly podcast Thinking LSAT. Got an email here from Beck. Beck says, good afternoon. I'm one of those non-traditional students that started thinking about going into law. We Hopefully love that term here, don't we? Non-traditional. simple-ish. Yeah, we don't really, I mean, I try not to ever say non-traditional because what is non-traditional? We have more students who just, who declare their non-traditional status than don't. I mean, K through JD is what should be considered non-traditional. By the way, literally, that is the case. I mean, people used to go to night school, like law used to be only night school. Yeah. Somehow it morphed into this idea that you have to go spend three years of your life doing nothing but the study of law. But that was the exception. Yeah. How did um, that happen? Why did that change? Her? I don't know. I, I really think it has something to do with the foxes guarding the hen house where it's like, oh, yes, we need to set standards for legal education. And then they, you know, because that is what happens is that the the regulated class becomes the regulators. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what's going on now. I mean, it's the American Bar Association, which is wildly mobbed up with all of the law schools. And it's just like the bar where the bar is like, okay, well, what is that actually? It's a guild of lawyers trying to keep other people from declaring themselves to be lawyers. So we're going to mm -hmm. make all these regulations and we're going to make it harder to become a lawyer. This is all just part of that. And um, there's nothing wrong with being older, going to law school. If anything, it gives you an advantage, not a disadvantage. Admissions folk love older folks who have had jobs before. The schools in the very top, you know, Harvard especially, has emphasized that they like work experience in admissions in recent years. Now, they still admit plenty of K through JDs because it's a huge school and they just have to have 500 new students every single year but they they're starting to prefer people who have gone out in the real world and know what it's like to actually have a job um so yeah just stop i would just say stop even saying the phrase non-traditional you're yeah. a little older so what think of it as a superpower i'm sure when i started studying for the lsat at age 30 or whatever i was way better than i would have been at age 19 that's not because I was studying the LSAT for those 11 years. It was just because I was reading more and getting oh, experience yeah. and just uh, more life makes you better at the LSAT. Yeah. To the extent that you do start to slow down and suffer some cognitive decline, you know, relatively early in your life, I think your brain has a way of starting to decline. But your wisdom is only on the increase. And the more you've read the better you're going to be at the LSAT. The, you know, like my vocabulary is wildly better now than it was when I, even when I took the LSAT in 2007, I've read so much since then. And I, I've learned a lot. I'm better. It's easier for me to comprehend the passages because I've read so much other shit, including all 400 of the reading comprehension passages that we have to practice with. You just learn more about the things that they like to talk about. You also learn more about the ways that they like to talk about those things. <clears throat> you're going to recognize stuff, not just on the LSAT, but in law school, you're going to recognize stuff where you're going to be like, oh yeah, oh, a mortgage. I've had one of those. And you know, meanwhile, all the K through JDs are like, huh, escrow. What's that? 
And <laughs> like older folks isn't just that, naturally isn't that have snails? some experience. Isn't that, isn't yeah, that right. snails what they eat? Yeah, in ew. The... <laughs> yeah. Wait, maybe with some butter. Um, <laughs> Garlic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Anyway. Yeah, this, into, none of uh, this was Beck's question. Beck no. asks, depending on how LSAC factors in the college courses that I took in high school, my UG push should be around 3.7. Do I need to factor my master's into all of this or strictly undergrad only? Uh, uh, so easy answer there. It's only your undergrad. Only your undergrad. And if you have not yet uploaded your transcripts to LSAC, you might want to look at those college courses that you took in high school. And if they're not A pluses, you might want to think about whether they're worth keeping on your, um, you know, you might be able to figure out some way to finagle it so that <clears throat> those classes aren't going to count against you. If they happen to be bad grades, you can sometimes get the, I think you have to go to the school that you got those grades from whatever community college or whatever. Mm -hmm. And there are, we've had stories, lots, we get those emails now, right? The more we talk oh, yeah. about it, I bet the more emails we get about it, but you could potentially call them up and say, you know, when I was a 16 year old taking this class in whatever it was, I had no idea that I was ever going to apply to law school. And right now, this is one of the only, you know, it's the only C that I have on my entire academic record. I went to college and I totally killed it. And I just want to know if there's a way that you can change this to a pass. That's all I want is to just change this grade to a pass because then LSAC ignores it. I'm not saying you should do this back. I'm just saying you should definitely, you should consider doing this. But yeah, your master's just literally doesn't count. You, I think you still have to upload the transcript, but that's not going to count in the calculations. Second question, uh, one that actually you already kind of started to answer and had definitely addressed in the past. Do either of you have general thoughts or opinions on part-time, hybrid, or fully online law schools? Currently working full-time and have 10 years of experience in my field. I'm not sure I want to completely check out for three years, but I am open to the possibility. I would totally go part-time. I mean, if you like your job, you're making a good living, you've got benefits, absolutely go part-time or hybrid or fully online. And it depends on what your career aspirations are. Um, <clears throat> you know, some stodgy old firms might not be hiring from certain new fangled law programs, but old people, those old people are going to die out. You know, I mean, that's just not going to last. I'm sorry. That is not going to last. No, I don't see how it can. <laughs> Seeing down the road a ways, you know, the, the old people forcing people to come into the office or old people thinking that you can't have education online. Bullshit. I've been teaching exclusively on Zoom now for since 2020. I'm here to tell you as an educator I think it's better online than it was in person for a lot of reasons. I think it's better online and uh, <laughs> I'm biased in saying that. And, but I'm not even that young, right? I'm pushing 50 and there's going to be a transition where <laughs> the younger folk are going to catch on and realize that this is face to face. You know, I'm talking to Eric right now, face to face. We're hundreds of miles away from each other but we're face to face. We're having a real conversation here. And if you think that that's not like a productive, real conversation, you're going the way of the dodo. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's just not gonna. And it's definitely more work. accessible too, right? Like it's, it's just so way much more accessible. More ac- are you kidding me? Like, I got a buddy who works for ABC Television down in LA, and he it's hilarious because he's part of the digital team supporting their TV shows. Mm-hmm. And you know, Bob Iger came back and forced them all to come back into the office. So now all these people on the digital team who did their entire jobs all through COVID with no problems whatsoever. In fact, the higher ups were able to cut a bunch of costs and cut a bunch of staff. And like, you know, it's like they're doing their job cheaper and better than they ever were before. And then it's like the hilarious thing was they had a like they had a hybrid Zoom meeting. And the people in the office were having a hard time. (laughs) With their like expensive in-person new, you know, that's like casting to the big screen and they've got the speaker thing in the middle of the table and all that. Mm -hmm. But those old folks are not able to hang in there in the meeting. And so their solution is now everyone has to come in all the time. So now you've got all these young creative people commuting an hour each way every day across Los Angeles just so that this one old fucker can like feel more comfortable in a meeting. There's another solution to the problem, which is you get rid of the old fucker and then you just have all your meetings online because in zoom, everyone has a front row seat. It proves to you that it's not really about productivity or trying <laughs> zero, to make the product better. Zero percent. And then, has- you know, I was trying to tell, I was like speaking of golf. I, sorry. We just did another episode where we were talking about golf, but I was hanging out with a couple of my old man friends yesterday. We went out and hit some putts <laughs> at the local co- local course here in Santa Barbara where they live. <laughs> and I was trying to explain to them that this basically this same thing of like surely going into the office or mandatory going into the office is just not going to work with smart, creative, tech savvy young folks. And then they went right into their it was like just right into their talking point about, but don't we need the accidental like, you know, just conversations in the hallway? And I, I just think that there's just certain things that really need to be done face to face. I've been in an office. I've had those accidental <laughs> conversations in the hallway. Yeah. Let me tell you, they did not make my work better and they did, they did not make me more productive. They well, were they like, certainly... oh, let's, let's go get a snack. Let's go get. Oh, so, God. Yeah. That, right. And, you know, the cubicle decorating contest and mm-hmm. all that. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's great for morale. Uh-huh. Yeah. Everybody go meet in the conference room so that we can have our monthly meeting and sing happy birthday to the all the all the may birthdays or whatever <laughs> like mm-hmm. fuck off let's do work i thought we were supposed to be doing work and uh yeah save everybody the commute people don't even have to take a shower they don't have to put on pajamas get online do your shit there's no reason of all the things that don't need to be in person law school really really doesn't need to be in person Especially because almost all your time is just in the books, right? Well, yes. It, you know, you're going to have 14 hours a week of class. All the other time is going to be you just reading, solitary yeah. just reading. You could do that on campus or you could do it literally anywhere else. The classes themselves are going to be primarily the professor talking. If the professor puts someone on call, which they often do, there's no reason why you can't call on them on Zoom. Mm -hmm. When you do, 
the student's face will pop up on the screen for all the attendees instead of a hundred attendees craning their neck to try mm -hmm. to see the person who's five rows behind them and all the way across the room. It's just so stupid. I mean, like professors have seating charts so that they can know where everybody's sitting so that they can not learn people's names on zoom. Everybody just automatically has their screen name right there associated with their picture mm -hmm. <laughs> on zoom. You have the chat so that people can share resources or ask questions on the side and you know in class you've got the people sit holding their hand up please call on me oh switching arms okay still want you to call on me in zoom you just click the raise hand feature it's right there there's a thousand reasons why education like i, I get it i get it your third grader didn't do well in zoom school during covid not arguing with you mm -hmm. law students are not third graders <laughs> They're adult professional people. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know how long it will take for this to catch on. But I will wager everything that it eventually will catch on. Yeah, I, I can't see how it wouldn't. The one thing we should add here is be aware that some of these part time hybrid programs might not have the same scholarship opportunities. So sure. Be a, just watch out for that. And it should all be on their ABA 509 report. They should break down whether they give scholarships to full-time or part-time or both. Apply broadly, whatever you do, apply to lots of these programs and then just see what kinds of offers you get back. But yeah, I would not be discriminating against any kinds of part-time programs, especially if you have a successful career that you're happy in. Don't let that go. Yeah. All right, third question. Now that I've had practice with logic game setups, it seems much more intuitive and I can't wait to take my next practice test. I love that. Cool. My cold diagnostic was a 151. Awesome. So I'm confident that with study, I can bring it up relatively easily and quickly. Is there a general range I should shoot for or average a certain amount of practice tests to estimate my personal ceiling? Mm. I, I don't know. I agree with you that at a 151, that's a great place to start. It means that you're able to comprehend what you're reading. Um, you probably attempted too many questions. You probably made too many casual mistakes. If you just slow down a little bit and clean up the, the casual misreadings, I think that you could get to 160, you know, potentially like within a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. How long it's going to take you to get to 165 and 170 and 175, I have no idea. Sometimes it takes people weeks, sometimes months, sometimes years. I really wouldn't even take a crack at that. Yeah. I would just say don't put a ceiling on how high you For score. For sure. Like, I hate it yeah. when people are like, oh, yeah, so 167 is my target score. Well, what? Why? Why not? just as high as you can go. I mean, yeah. don't, yeah, don't sell yourself short. Yeah, Beck, uh, for a general range to shoot for at a 151 diagnostic, no reason you can't score in the 170s. Yep. There you go. Uh, all right, finally, is it worth potentially taking some law courses at my local community college after the LSLAT slash application process is completed, but before I actually start? So what, like constructing a zero L from community college? Hmm. Uh, I do continuing ed every year as part of my license and certification requirements, but it is different from sitting in a class, revamping study habits, etc. The tuition is ridiculously cheap and money and time won't be an issue. I work in education and would have time to play around with community college classes. Um, 
I guess, community college law classes in this situation could being pre-exposed to some of the material be a bonus for my first year or is it just a waste of time? I'd say it's probably a waste of time. They're not going to, they're not going to teach those community college law classes, anything like, I mean, even if they superficially make it look like law school, it's just not going to have anything to do with law school. You're going to be there with 17 year olds who are like basically high school students, law school, you're going to be sitting there with people who are not just college graduates, but like the cream of the crop college graduates. The readings are going to be far more intense in law school. The actual kinds of lectures, I, I just don't see it really being real. Yeah. Even if it's like taught by someone who also teaches at the local law school, I still just don't see it being it's just, I don't, I can't see yeah. how it's going to be the same. I'm a big fan of learning for its own sake. And if, sure. if the, if the classes there sound interesting to you and aren't going to compete with other stuff going on in your life, go for it. I am currently taking 12 credits at a local community college on top of all of the other stuff I do teaching, working on the podcast, just cause I was interested in learning some math and science. And that's interesting to me. I will say, I don't think it's revamping my study habits. Like they tell you, oh, for this chemistry class, you're going to need to do 20 hours a week. And like, I pick one night out of the week to spend a few hours and do, do all your 20 my work. hours. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I suspect that much will be the same for any kind of law related classes. Well, so. you're wildly overpowered intellectually, I'm sure not to shit on your colleagues at your community college, but you're at a different level of <laughs> cognitive ability. Well, I've been through school before. I think that's the main thing is I've, I've actually done school before. Um, yeah. And there is a range of ability levels and, and preparedness for school. Some very smart people I'm with, some others who seem like, yeah, it's going to be a struggle for them. Yeah, I think but, you've got discipline as evidenced by already made it through college once. You've got life experience. You've got the increased wisdom, uh, more reading under your belt. Like you're better at English. You're you're just gonna you're gonna sure. be overpowered <laughs> as a older student. Um, yeah, I wouldn't go do this back for uh, not as prep for law school. I don't think it's going to prepare no. you for law school. If if the classes sound interesting to you, yeah. sure, but it's not. I don't think it's going to prepare you for law school. I agree with that. Yeah. I, I would, though, I would also say if you have so much extra time, think about maybe like getting some kind of a job or yeah. internship in law, because you haven't said anything about why you think law is a good path for you. And if you know, like, do you know any lawyers? Do you have any idea what you're getting yourself into? And a job in a law firm might open your eyes to what you're actually getting yourself into. So I might start there instead. Agreed. Thanks, Beck. Email daily at lsatdemon.com if you'd like to ask us a question or share some LSAT or law school admissions news. Thanks for listening. Yeah.